Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday night, and you know what that means. Another fantastic edition of late night Reds talk live brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. We'd like to wish you a happy betting New Year's. We continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And now that we got that out of the way, let's have another fun night of Late Night Reds Talk Live as we begin our series on discussing the NL Central foes. Uh, we have a really fun guest for this for the first one. Before we get to that, we'll introduce our excellent panel. First, our excellent producer, the man who puts it together first each and every week, producer Nick Kirby. How are you, sir? Hey, what's going on? Super excited to start this series and uh, dive into each of the teams in the division. Absolutely. Very excited as well. And we have joining us. Welcome back after he took last week off. Former big leaguer, Mr. Carlos Guevara. How was your how was your week off? It was good. I don't even remember why I took the week off. Did you win money on Georgia? Oh, that's why. Yes. Good. good. No, I did not. I took Alabama. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I will let it slide this time. Um, But... We're excited for our excellent guests. As we said, we're starting our series now. We're going to be discussing uh, the NL Central opponents uh, the, for the Reds this year and kind of where they stand, how to get ready for them for the season, whenever that may start. Um, and our first guest, he is the host of the Stuffing the Stat Sheet podcast. He is a IBWAA member. Um, he talks gambling, Chicago, and fantasy sports. And is you can check him out on Twitter at the Riot 326 This is Mr. Joey Ricotta. Joey, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, doing good. Appreciate you guys having me on again. And, you know, just like Carlos, I, I also bet on Alabama. So uh, we have that in common that we took the L on that. So um, it's good to be in, in company with some people that are like minded, at least, and even if we <laughs> took the L's. So <laughs> it's cool to be here, guys. Thanks. Good, man. We're excited to have you. Uh, before we do kind of get into getting your thoughts and stuff on the Cubs, we're kind of just kind of going to go through. Uh, their strange, strange timeline from the exit of Theo Epstein on. So obviously, you know, they won the World Series in 2016. Uh, the six years he's there, they have five postseason appearances, three first place finishes, and then he moves on. Um, shortly after that, they make the trades for Hugh Darvish and Kyle Schwarber. And they actually get off to a really good start this year. Uh, in June, they're 42 and 33 and tied with the Brewers for first place. Uh, have a nice solid group no hitter. And that was pretty exciting. And then, of course, you know, they ran into Jonathan India as we see here in this beautiful graphic <laughs> nationally rookie of the year, Jonathan Indy. I don't know if you guys heard or not. Um, <laughs> they fall to third place behind Cincinnati, Milwaukee. 
Um, shortly after that, you kind of see the Jack Peterson trade, and then Andrew Schaefer, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, and Jake Marisnik all get moved on um, from the from the Cubs, and then have a pretty rough year where, for some reason or another, even though they only had a 21 21 the rest of the year, um, did take care of business against the Reds in the second half of the season as the Reds were having their downfall through the season to the second half instead of making a playoff run. But now they get to here. Um, they bring they signed Jan Gomes right before the lockout. They bring in Nick Madrigal. Uh, they signed Marcus Stroman. And most importantly for Reds fans who are very upset, they claim Wade Miley off of waivers. So as you see, Carlos put his face in his hands there. Obviously, the Cubs, I don't know. I mean, and then, and yes, there's this report here that they are in discussions. They have potential, uh, have a lot of interest in bringing in Carlos Correa, which I think every team under the sun that can bring in Carlos Correa has interest in him right now. Uh, but there's also been reports he's on, from Ken Rosenthal that he's unlikely to sign with the Cubs. And also discussed a potential move for Eric Hosmer. Um, so, Joey, correct me if I'm wrong. From what you know, reading these tea leaves, from what it looks like the Cubs have been able to do before the lockout and the rumors that they're linked to, it seems like this quote unquote rebuild they don't plan on being a long time. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, hundred percent. From the sounds of it, I mean, this next season it, it sounds like more of a transition year, uh, just kind of getting their bearings back and and the progression. Hopefully will be made by some of these prospects. And then next year could be like a big spend year. I do believe, though, that they showed signs with the Stroman signing that they're at least going to spend some money this offseason, maybe even a little bit more, of course. They have a ton to spend. And then, um, you know, you look at it, it's like all these guys are off the books. They've also – they kind of – it was more of a retool because of the guys that they were able to get back in some of these trades at the deadline – by making the moves that they did, obviously, you know, Chris Bryant being traded, Javier Baez being traded, Anthony Rizzo traded, uh, Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell traded. So a lot of these guys, they got back prospects that some of them are ready now and some of them are more further down the road. But, you know, the guys that are ready now, you know, you look at Nick Madrigal, you look at Cody Hoyer who pitched last season and actually pitched pretty well out of the bullpen. Um then some of the other guys that they that they acquired too that could be potentially ready this year, like Caleb Killian, who's a prospect in the uh, the farm system now. He was acquired in the KB deal, but you know he looked great, and I'm I'm really excited to see him potentially this year. Um, so yeah, it does seem like it's more of a retool than a rebuild because then you're going to have Jason Hayward's contract coming off the books too soon, at least you know not for the next couple years, but. Um, that's something that Cubs fans are kind of looking forward to because that contract is just looking like a ridiculous contract in hindsight. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like more of a, a retool than a rebuild. Yeah. We look at it here. You kind of mentioned some of those guys and the moves they made. So this is kind of the projected lineup that Nick put up here. Um, maybe you can educate us on a few of these guys and kind of give us a little bit more of a fill in. Uh, I feel like Nico Horner, they've been like waiting for him for like 13 years, I think. It feels like at times yeah. um, you mentioned that Jason Hayward contract, but uh, Nick Madrigal, who I believe they got, they got in the Craig Kimbrell trade. Correct. Yeah. He was in the Kimbrell. Dude. Yep. He, him yeah. and Hoyer. Yep. And then you bring in Jan Gomes as the backup catcher who, you know, hits pretty well. Um, but some of these, other, you know, the Alfonso Rivas is the Frank Schwinn dwells for people who aren't as familiar with those names. Can you kind of explain They kind of talk a little about who these guys are, what would the, you know, opposing fans can expect from them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Frank the Tank, he uh, 
kind of came in there and he's like a creative player. It feels like a lot of my buddies are calling him some made up name, made up guy, because uh, at the end of last year or, you know, the second half of the season when he got some playing time, he stepped up and he was like one of the hottest hitters in the league. And it was just unreal. Is it sustainable? Probably not. You know, he's not going to hit whatever it was, 362 with a 389 on base percentage. He's not going to do that. Um, but it is encouraging because you look at his minor league track record and the guy just didn't really strike out at all. He's just, he's not a strikeout guy and he can also hit, I think steamer projects him right now for 27 home runs. So, and I could be wrong about that, but 27 bombs and a 270 batting average. That's not bad. If you're getting that out of your first base spot and from a guy that's not costing you anything, um, you know, I'll take that all day long. I'm not sure if he's going to play, you know, every game. They might even use a little bit of Alfonso Rivas if he makes the roster. Um, and then we'll probably get into this a little bit. But, you know, with the addition of potentially the, the universal DH coming back, it opens up a lot of possibilities here. So maybe you can get playing time with uh, with some of these other guys moving around. Obviously, Clint Frazier, that signing, I think that's an under-the-radar move because – yeah. He needed a change, a change of scenery. I think he just had to get out of New York, obviously. They, they didn't want him. He didn't want to be there. He's back with his buddy Strowman. You know, I, I know that didn't, you weren't really asking about Frazier, but I, I think there's a lot of potential here with different guys moving around. And Schwindel, I'm excited because even in practice, like the, the players, the teammates, they're like, man, he barrels everything up. He barrels everything up. Is he going to hit 30, 35-plus home runs? Probably not. He's probably looking at more of like a 20 to 25 home run hitter in reality. But if he hits 270, 275, I think the Cubs kind of got a steal here. We spent half a show when Frazier got a uh, non-tendered or whatever, begging the Reds to sign him. Honestly, I think I'm more disappointed the Reds didn't uh, pick up Frazier than let Wade Miley go, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I definitely like the move. I think a lot of teams should have been inquiring about him because – especially with the DH part. You know, he's not that great in the outfield, but his bat, I think it'll definitely play somewhere. And hopefully here. <laughs> yeah, he's got a strong cleat game. Very strong cleat game. Oh, yeah, he does. He definitely does. He's got some He's got some style. Before we move too far forward into the, the current team, which is what I want to you know spend a lot of time discussing, tell us about, like, your your fandom with Chicago and, and you know, kind of how – you know, painful, I'm sure it was for the majority of your life. And and then, you know, getting over that hump and having that that five-year, just really incredible run of success, maybe a six-year run of success. What was what was that like for you as a Cubs fan? Uh, insane. Just the, the, the best baseball I've ever seen in my life because, obviously, you know, you, you, you have those one-off years where they're competing. You have, like, the 2003 season where – it felt like the year. I mean, I, I go back to that year so so often in my head and when I'm talking to people and I'm like, 2003 just felt like this season with Mark Pryor and with uh, Kerry Wood and, you know, Sosa and all these guys. And it's just like, this is the season that they're going to do it. Unfortunately, we ran into Steve Bartman and in the, in the Marlins, but uh, obviously it's not his fault. I'm not blaming the guy. I don't know anybody that really is at this point. Hopefully there aren't people still out there that are blaming the guy, but um no, I mean, I've been a fan since, I don't know, I can remember, honestly. My mom used to take me to Cubs-Cardinals games at Wrigley 
uh, starting in 98 when, when the Sosa McGuire, you know, the home run derby season, uh, that's really what got my fandom really just enhanced my fandom, I think. And, and then I started playing baseball around that time too. So, you know, Sammy Sosa, obviously I'm a huge fan for life of him, you know, steroids or not. I just have a big, I'm a big fan of Sosa, but yeah, man. I mean, it's, it was brutal for a long time. I mean, you know, just miserable years, miserable seasons. You, you'd have a little glimmer of hope and then it'd get taken away from you. And then it always felt like it was unsustainable. Like some of the, the moves that the, the front office was making, it was just like short term, you're buying for a little small window and you weren't really building for anything. And, you know, once, once Theo took over, it was like, okay, this is the guy that's going to bring us a world series. And we had, and we always have hope as Cubs fans, you know, you, you have to have hope if you're a Cubs fan, because that's all we had for so many years. But once Theo took over, it was like, yeah, the pieces are falling together and he started making all the right moves. And, you know, unfortunately it wasn't, they didn't bring home more than one world series under him, but they were competitive for many years and can't ask for much more than that. I can only imagine that year before they win the series, when they put, they lose to the Mets and the LCS just kind of like, I'm sure you're bummed because obviously your team got eliminated, but also that feeling of like, you know what? Like, this is going to be awesome next year. And then obviously the Cavs go and win that unbelievable title. So it's like the craziest sports year maybe ever between, you know, the Cavs title and the Cubs world series. Oh yeah. And then you had, you know, you had LeBron, I think at the stadium too, with those, uh, when they were playing the Indians in 2015. So it it was really cool. I I believe, I want to say they were playing across the street or something. And he went, just went across the street and, you know, watched the game or whatever, but yeah, it's um, literally next door. Yeah, just right next door. And uh share so, a parking lot. Yeah, it was crazy though. I mean, like that that season before it really felt like, okay, we're here a little bit earlier than we should be. <laughs> In twenty fifteen, they kind of just got hot. And I mean, that was just an insane year with the NL Central. You know, you guys obviously being NL Central guys, we had three teams that year that won. I think it was 95 plus games or something strange like that. 93 plus games. I I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but um, the Cubs didn't even win the division that year because the the NL central was just so strong and that being able to get that hot and be able to play in the NLCS. I mean, Daniel Murphy was just insane. He took, took us out obviously, but um, it was fun to watch. And then, you know, John Lester, obviously just retiring, uh, he played an insane role here with, with for the Cubs, and I'm forever grateful for him too. Uh, just because we don't win the World Series or even get that far if it weren't for John Lester. So, uh, quick shout out to him. But yeah, that that was kind of it. Felt like the turning of the tide, and it was really cool. To you really were looking forward to, to 2016, and they and they performed. They stepped up. What was that like when they traded for Aroldis Chapman? Was it like, was it weird for you because you rooted against him for so long? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of weird. You know, seeing him in the in the Reds uniform for so long and just like, man, I can't stand this guy. He just throws smoke. He's so good out of the bullpen. And you just have, you don't never want to face him in the late innings of games. But I was excited, man. I was so happy. I didn't, you didn't want to get rid of Glaber Torres for that, for him, but. It's like, yeah, this is the time. We need a World Series. It doesn't matter at this point. Why are you, why are you hanging out to these prospects when you can get somebody like Chapman? And he was 
like Lester, without Chapman, we don't win the World Series either. I know that Game 7 wasn't his best. You know, obviously he gave up the, the home run to Rajai Davis, but he was burnt out at that point. Uh, Joe Madden was using him like he was the only pitcher in the bullpen, which yeah. he kind of was, to be honest. So, I don't know. I'm 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 grateful for Chapman too. I mean, he was just an incredible trade trade uh, acquisition. Yeah, I could only imagine that game seven. Man, that would take years off of my life. My my <laughs> wife is an is an Indians Guardians fan, and that was stressful just watching her watch that game. So I couldn't imagine that being my team. I uh, literally think I have gray hairs. Just overnight, I got gray hairs. I, I bet. Yeah, that was that was one of the all time games for sure. Of the, the players that the Cubs let go the last couple of years, like the the Bryans, the Rizzos, the the Baez, who was the one that you were most disappointed or whatever that, that they didn't get, get a long-term deal? Man, that's so tough. On the field-wise, I'm most disappointed that they couldn't get something done with Chris Bryant because I, I believe that he's the guy that you build a team around or he's one of the guys that you consider a core piece of your team that you build around. Not that Anthony Rizzo isn't or wasn't, because once he was acquired from San Diego, and it's kind of cool that you had the the San Diego thing on before here. Um, now we're talking Don't about somebody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was from somebody else's. Um, but, no, I – you know, obviously once we got him, it was, he was the leader for the, of this team for so long. He was the cornerstone, but was Rizzo, but, and he's my favorite player uh, out of this, this entire uh, uh, length of time with the Cubs, you know, their competitive years. Rizzo has been my favorite player since he was acquired, but I would say on the field wise, Chris Bryant was the guy that made the most sense. He's the most versatile. He could play outfield. He could play third, he could play first even. So, I, I'm really disappointed that they couldn't get something done with him. I know all the stuff with, you know, arbitration and all that and, you know, the service time issues. I don't think he really ever wanted to leave Chicago, though. I think he wanted to be a Cub, and he he showed that. He, he said that all the time. So I'll never really believe that he just wanted to leave the Cubs. I think they just assumed that they couldn't get something done with him, and maybe they just didn't want to pay the price. But – you know, I'm, I'm very upset about that. And I thought that Rizzo, now in hindsight, it looks like they made the right move because he did, he was kind of tailing off and he does have some back issues. And aging first basemen aren't really the greatest to, to sign long-term or to extend. So money-wise, it makes sense. Same thing with Baez. I mean, he's he's a strikeout-prone guy. He's he's very flashy. He's, he's powerful as a shortstop. He hits a ton of home runs. He can drive guys in, but... He's also very hit and miss. You know, when he's down, he's very down. And when he's up, he could carry a team. So it's – you need something I, I like the consistency more from a Chris Bryant type of player. So that was the guy that really stings. Yeah, Chris Bryant, he's such a perfect guy to build a team around. Like, he's not going to be your top one, two, maybe even three paid, you know, player at, at a certain position. But you can get him a little bit cheaper. I mean, he's still going to be a – and don't get me wrong, he's still going to cost a lot, but he's cheaper than most, and he's probably more valuable than most because he can play everywhere. And he's still young. Like he's, We've said many times on here we wish we could have got him at the end of last year for not that much money. And um, 
it's an absolute difference maker because you can plug him in everywhere. And if that guy gets hot, you're screwed on the other end. Yeah, I feel like Bryant definitely might be the the steal of the offseason for the players that are, you know, going to earn a decent salary. Yeah, I, I, I'm really high on Bryant. And I think you're right on Rizzo. I, I could totally see Frank the Tank outperforming Rizzo in 2022. I don't I don't think that's too crazy of a, you know, far-fetched thing, you know. So and, and obviously the price is significantly different. So I think the Cubs probably made the right decision there. Who's maybe a, a player you know, as we, we look at this roster next season that you really an under the radar player that maybe, you know, we're not looking at that you think is really maybe poised for a breakout year or um, something like that. Ooh, man, it's interesting. I, I think honestly, let's see what happens with, uh, with Horner and with Madrigal. I mean, I think Contreras is obviously – I think he's going to have a better year than he had this past year too. I know he's going to the final year of team control. Maybe you can't call him like a breakout because we've seen it from him in the past. He's, he's you know, one of the better hitting catchers in the league. But, you know, this past year he didn't have his best season. I think the addition of Jan Gomes is actually a little bit under the radar because now he can spell Contreras. He doesn't have to play as many games behind the plate, and I think that really worn down on him. Uh Obviously, he he got hurt a little bit this past year, but you know he can't be as productive as a catcher when you're playing as many innings or or catching as many innings as he was. And I think the DH will allow him to get out of uh, the catcher spot as well. Um, so I, I I look for him to actually have a, a bigger season at uh, at the plate. And Horner, if he could stay healthy, man, it, I know we've been talking about it for or we talked about it a little bit. Feels like. Horner every every season we're just like oh Horner this year Horner this year if he could stay healthy he's it's it, that's been his biggest problem just staying on the field I think man he could have a good season here and 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 Madrigal he's going to be one of the better contact hitters in the league he already is obviously he got hurt with the White Sox and that's part of the reason why I think they just threw him in the deal because they're like he can't help us this year and we're in win now mode so let's go ahead and ship him uh, for Kimbrell, somebody who can help us right now, and we need bullpen help. But Madrigal, man, he's he does not strike out at all. He's he's going to give you probably a close to 300 average, if not better. He, can he hit for power at all? I don't know. I, I'm hoping that maybe the uh, the baskets at Wrigley will help him a little bit. Maybe the wind uh, is blowing out on some of these days and can give him a couple extra home runs. But I'll take that contact all day from a team that or on a team that really over the last few years, we haven't seen many contact guys. We've seen them strike out and struggle in key situations, especially with two outs and runners in scoring position. That has not been their strong suit. It's really, really been get guys on base and hit home runs. And now we're seeing some diversity in this lineup and I really like it. Yeah. Montreal feels like that guy or, after our second series playing the Cubs, we're going to be, I'm going to be sending a tweet. Like, can we ever get this guy out? <laughs> like he just feels like that type of player. That's like, I'm not going to kill you any one certain game, but every single game he's going to be on base. He's going to be extending innings. Like he just feels that type of player. The Tommy Edmonds special. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tommy Edmond, that guy's been a pain in our butt too. And, and and would you say Nick that Horner is kind of like their uh, Nick Senzel? Yeah, they, they've played him pretty much everywhere, right? 
Yeah, he's going to – that's what I'm wondering, too, if he's going to get more time in center field this year um, because they have Ortega and Hap out there right now, but I believe – I mean, obviously those guys are lefty. Better from the left side. Obviously, Ian Hap switch hits. I would like to see him just hit from the left side, but that's a different topic. Um, but, you know, maybe you put him in center field and have and sign a shortstop. I think that's still on the table for them to potentially – I know we were talking about Correa. I don't really – think it's going to be Korea, and I think that is a lot of money to commit, and I think it's a lot right now of years that he's going to want, and I don't really know. I don't really see that happening. Trevor Story is still out there. Uh, I don't know about that either. Maybe we're looking at probably like an Angelton Simmons or Freddie Galvis or something like that. I don't know, but I I do th- I like that uh, comp with Nick Senzel, though. It, it really does feel that way where – yeah, those guys are all the potential in the world, but can they stay on the field? Hap's kind of, you know, been really crazy up and down, man. He he has looked like a a star player for weeks and then, you know, fell off the the map completely. You know, do you do you still believe in Hap? Do you think I know a lot of people in Cincinnati as he played college ball here, you know, followed his his career. Like do you do you think he's still got you know something in the tank that he can be a contributor? So admittedly, I'm kind of a, like a Hap truther. So I, I do believe in Hap. I do. And it, you know, it sounds crazy, but you know, he's, he's really, it's, it's, he's been hyped up almost every preseason. Right. And it's, and it looks like it's going to be his year. 2020, he had a really good year. This last year, he started out out of the gates. It was awful. I mean, like the first half of the season, you could pretty much just throw it in the dumpster. It was absolutely terrible. Um, some of that was bad luck. He was hitting the ball right at guys. Some of it was just him, you know, striking out or just looking clueless at the plate. And I just I, – I, I look at the second half of the season, and then maybe I'm falling for it again, but I look at, like, towards the end of the season, and he came on strong, and he really was – it's like something clicked again, and he came back. I look at him, and I think he can be that guy, especially because he's, he's pretty decent at getting on base – He's got some power. I just I want him to hit exclusively from the left side because I think we've seen it from some of these guys, like Cedric Mullins, for example. If they can focus on one side of the plate and just, you know, get really good at that side of the plate, I think he could really do some wonders here. The flipping back and forth, I think, is actually an issue from him. Not that he can't hit from the right side at all, because he can. He can hit home runs there too, but it's just I think it's it's messing with them. You can't really focus. You can't take as many hacks, or you have to tire yourself out and take as many hacks from each side in the cages and stuff. And I just don't think that that's good right now for for this day and age of of baseball. You don't need to be a, a switch hitter anymore. So I'm, I'm a believer in him, and I look at also like the projections. I think they have him projected as the highest WAR player for this next season for the Cubs, and that to me is like okay, they see what I see. And I could be wrong too, but okay, Zips has it at one point seven. I thought I had. I well, they seven. they have him split and left also, so that's not the his total uh, okay. uh, thing, thing there. So he might be those combined. Okay, do, uh, do kind of how we did, Nick, with him. Go around and throw some guys out there and go the over under on him. <laughs> These projections. All right, yeah, we could do a couple over unders. Uh, Let's do uh, Hendricks. You think he'll be over under two point six? Ooh, 
I'm trying to think of what he's at normally with his career. I think they're probably going to be going a little bit lighter on him than uh, than normal with these projections based off of last season. And I don't think that that's really indicative on him because he's the type of guy that he's such a workhorse and a, like a smart player that he's going to figure out whatever the adjustments he needs to make. He doesn't rely on speed, uh, a power. He relies more on finesse. I would actually go over on his projections there. And does Joey hit like 700 against him or 800? Against <laughs> oh, Kyle Hendricks. God, <laughs> absolutely. It just crushes him and he, he'll probably do it again this year. <laughs> that took away from my, do you have like a great Joey Votto nightmare story about how he's just crushed the Cubs for a decade? Oh, and he's got to have at least a couple. We'll get to those later. Oh man. <laughs> Give him some more, Nick. Uh, Hap is at uh, 1.8, by the way, as his individual uh, Zips projection okay. war. Uh, Contreras and Wisdom are ahead of him, but he's he's up there. I mean, for sure. Um, let's do let's do Wade Miley 2.8. We have to do that one. Ooh, man, that's probably I would say probably right in line. I'd probably go under because of. Just if he can stay on the field, too. I, he'd probably deal with some injuries here. I'll probably say like a 2.5 or 2.6, something like that. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would have went with, too. Same. Yeah. I'll do one more. I'm not going to do Hayward just because his war number is so fluky because of his defense, and he can't hit worth a lick. So, he like, whatever he earns, you know it's not like a legit number. <laughs> Nothing get. We're just passing him, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're we're passing him. Let's do. Um, I'm gonna pull up the actual since some of these have split positions because uh, uh the Cubs like to uh, play guys all around, which uh, I'm a big fan of for sure. Uh, Contreras is at 2.6 by himself. Uh, Oof. what do you think about that? Ooh, I'll go over because I think he has a bigger offensive season this year. I'll go over on that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I. I didn't really think about that idea with him as DH, but I mean, do you kind of see, you know, maybe if they, they have a DH that Contreras is uh, DHing, you know, three or four games a week and Gomes is getting, you know, maybe 75% of the starts behind the plate? No, I wouldn't say it would be that uh, dramatic of a split or dramatic of time off. I think he'd still probably get over 50% of the, of the time behind the plate because he's so valuable throwing guys out. He's so valuable calling a game himself. I think he works well with some of these younger pitchers too. Um, and he's a leader on this team. He wants to catch. Like he He's the type of guy he does not want to sit out in a game. So he, I think he has real problems with the Cubs trying to give him more rest, but they really need to communicate this plan with him. And if he's in the line of DHing though, or even playing like a corner outfield spot, which we've seen him do in the past too, I don't see that happening a ton with all the depth. Uh, that they now have, like with even Harold Ramirez signing and stuff. Um, Nelson Velasquez potentially coming up, and he looked great in the fall fall league this year. Um, that's another option that could potentially even DH too. Um, but I, I don't see him catching or DHing more than he's catching this year, but I, I do see him staying in the lineup a lot more often and getting more days off uh, that way. Yeah, I do. I do think Gomes is known as a pretty good defensive catcher as well, and and I I'm I would assume they're definitely going to get him in against left-handed pitchers because I know Gomes is a really good hitter against left-handed pitchers. Uh, really, really platoons well. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't really that's think that's why we got rid of Miley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on, on Miley, something I, I definitely wanted to, to ask you about Joey is in, in Red's country here in, in recent years, last two years, there's been a real strong, uh, hatred towards ownership. I, I know that, that the Cubs fans kind of had that, you know, with, with them selling off a lot of the players has, has that, has, Cubs fans, do you feel like the majority of them? Not, I'm not talking like the the out there ones, the the the, the regular guys. Do you think they've kind of come back towards the the plan of what they're trying to do here, or do you still feel like there's a real massive disconnect with with Cubs fans and ownership? I think there's just still still a massive disconnect with Cubs fans and ownership. I think Cubs fans, much like probably Reds fans, you know they they really blame ownership for a lot of this and not, not pushing the the button or not, you know, spending a little bit more with and, and pressing up against that, that luxury tax or going a little bit over and, you know, sacrificing some for some of these years when you were really competitive and going out there and getting the extra player, you know, something we see like teams like the Yankees do. I mean, why not do that when you have your big money team, you have your big market, you, you can, afford to do that one or two years. And so they do put a lot of blame on, on ownership. I don't know if they're looking at it exactly the way I'm describing it right now. They're not talking about like luxury tax and stuff like that. Not everybody, but they are a little bit upset. And they think that ownership was trying to be cheap, especially like you mentioned with these, these uh, trade deadline deals. It felt like doomsday getting rid of all these guys. I mean, guys that meant so much to the franchise guys that meant so much to Cubs fans, you know, Kids idolize these players. You know, they, they got little Javi Baez jerseys. They've got Rizzo jerseys. I mean, it, it's, it was a tough day. That, that day or those two days right there were just – it really hit, and it struck a nerve with Cubs fans. And I think some fans, honestly, they are not even watching Cubs baseball yet. Like, they have not watched a game, some, some Cubs fans, since those trades were made. And it's going to be a little bit hard for some fans to come back on board – my advice to fans or like what I would like to to tell fans though is, you know, sometimes difficult decisions need to be made and it's not just ownership. It's also part of the GM. You know, this is Jed Hoyer now. It's not Theo Epstein. It's Jed Hoyer running the show, but, and Carter Hawkins actually the GM, but you know, it's, it's Jed's final say in all, all this stuff. And uh, Hawkins wasn't even here yet. I don't believe when the trades were made, but I think they have a plan instilled here now and, and, and they've, they've, you know, they, they've taken it down this road. They made the difficult decision to go down this path and to kind of retool. And, you know, they, they acquired some guys in these moves that are really projecting really well. They have a lot of upside, a lot of potential. So let's see what they do, you know, give them a chance. I would say tune into the, to, to watch baseball this year, tune in to watch Cubs baseball. If you're a Cubs fan, because, you know, there are a lot of good things still going here and, and there is a plan that looks to be set in place. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about ownership, you know, you still love baseball, right? You still love the Cubs and there's still some good things here. And they did spend money on Marcus Stroman. So that's something to be positive about. We found the Nick Kirby of Cubs fans. <laughs> <laughs> my man, my man. Uh, 
And that'll be snippeted in our highlight reel later. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask you about uh, the uh, the prospects. I don't know, Joey, how close you follow this. I know Brendan Davis is a guy I've heard a lot of, you know, has a good chance of maybe making the team um, in, in, in 2020. I believe he's a good center fielder. Um, it, it, what are you, your thoughts on, on him, if you have any, any other prospects that, that maybe we should be watching or someone you're really high on? I mean, honestly – so I'm going to sound – this is me sounding like the Cubs homer now because I there's a lot of these guys I'm very, very excited about. But, you know, some obviously are going to be down the road. They're not going to be coming here anytime soon, not all these guys. But uh, you mentioned Brennan Davis. I think it finally it took a lot of people a long time to, to finally r- – put him up in the ranks with these prospect lists. And he just, he's been rising now for a little while. He's a five tool player. I think he's got speed. He's got power. He's, you know, he's got such a quick bat. Uh, This guy, and he's got a great glove, whether he sticks or not in center field or eventually moves to a corner spot, which I think might be the case eventually, but he could be that, that guy. And, and I'm not sure if he's going to be up uh, maybe middle of the season because he, he just got called up to AAA uh, this past year. And, I, I mean, he could be ready, but I think he probably still, they would like to see him develop a little bit more. He will get called up probably is my guess at some point, whether it's later in the year or like midseason. I don't see him making the team out of camp, but I, I do really like Brennan Davis. Braylon Marquez, he's been dealing with injuries. He dealt with injuries last year. I'm not sure if he's going to be – pitching with the Cubs this year or not, but, you know, it sounds like he's healthy now and we'll see how his development goes. He's not, if you were looking at this list and we were to look at like some updated ranks, I would not probably put him second on this list. I know he's on the pipeline list, but he's right now, you're just not sure what you're going to get from him. He throws a ton of gas, but can he even have that type of control? He might be looking at more of like a bullpen arm out of Marquez. So I'm not really, super excited about him anymore but i'm still you know eager to see what he can bring um some of the other guys obviously miguel amaya is you know he's he's hurt too so we're not going to see him for quite a while um hernandez is just i'm really excited from him he's a long ways away though Pete crow armstrong he's we'll see he's got gold glove potential in the outfield center field. So that could be the, the guy that pushes Brennan Davis maybe to a corner spot um, because Pete Crow Armstrong can really glove it and, and track balls down in the outfield. We'll see how his bat develops, but it seems like he's, he's got a knack for the bat to the ball aspect. Maybe he can get a little bit more power going. Um, a lot of these guys though, man, it looks like the Cubs won the U Darvis trade actually. I mean, it was insane. That's another thing we were talking about with, uh, you know, the disconnect with the ownership. Fans were really, really upset with the U Darvish move because it felt like we could still compete. You have U Darvish, you could still compete, make another move, and it felt like they just wanted to get rid of money. And obviously, they did a a, a good job of getting rid of money by dumping U Darvish. But uh, Reggie Preciado and Owen Casey were two of the guys that they got back in that deal. And these guys look really, really good. They're developing really well. They're still teenagers. I mean, I'm excited to see what these guys can bring further down the road. We're not going to be seeing them for, you know, another two, three years. But uh, I really am excited about those two. What a baseball name, Reggie Preciado. That's yeah. When 
I, I feel like I'm normally pretty aware of like what minor league organizations belong to what major league teams. When did the Cubs form a partnership with the Pelicans? Because I always remember them as a Braves organization. That is a good question. That is not something I'm actually uh, aware of, to be honest, when that was that was formed, because I would have to reach out to somebody else to know that. The minor league yeah. affiliations are not my specialty as far as knowledge about each individual affiliation. I just know who's on them. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when South Bend was the Diamondbacks organization because A.J. Pollock, when he went to Notre Dame and got drafted uh, by the by the Diamondbacks, he he still played in South Bend, and that's how they drew tickets every night. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I knew about that. Tennessee Smokies, obviously, like, my family used to go to Gatlinburg all the time. So I knew about nice. that one. Yeah. Um, well, I've I got like a great Tennessee Smokies story. Oh, yeah. Carlos I'm played not, on, like, the world's greatest one day. Probably have to be team. off the air. <laughs> <laughs> one of those stories. It involved fireworks and... Well, the big leaguers. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So, I think 2015 was the Myrtle Beach Pelicans when they uh, oh. joined the Cubs. Really cool thing called Google that tells you that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Thanks, Curb. I knew it wasn't Thanks, that long ago, but I didn't know when. Yeah. They have like the cool, some of the coolest minor league uniforms, too. Oh, yeah. Pretty sweet. Um, so, I joked about it earlier, but I do want to ask because obviously, you know, here we're very pro Joseph Daniel Vado. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, pretty good baseball player. And, you know, part of his home run streak this year was in Wrigley. He had a two homer game there this year, um, then had a big one the next day. Um, but, you know, for a long time has been very consistent, elite baseball player. Do you have any good, bad memories of Joey Vado's crushing of the Cubs that you either laugh at or drive you crazy? You know, I wish I would have thought about this more before I came on here because I'm not like there's not one in particular moment that just really is coming to my mind right now. It's just like every moment that he plays the Cubs <laughs> because he just destroys them. He destroys just about everybody. But I mean, and I personally, I'm a Cubs fan that loves Joey Votto. Like I, even though he kills our team, I absolutely love watching him play. I think he's a great dude. I think he he does a lot for the fans too. And there, the one thing I will say, there was something that happened. There was a video of him coming into Wrigley Field that oh, yeah. is coming to mind now too. And I can't remember exactly what happened with that, but it was. I love that video of him. Coming he didn't have his field. wallet. He didn't have his wallet. Okay. So he couldn't get into you know the side gate, the players' entrance. The guy was That's like, right. Yeah. Like, I don't know who you are. And he's like, he looks at the fans. He's like, I'm Joey Votto. Tell him I'm Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And the guy was like, I don't really care. You can come in. <laughs> let me let him in. Like, okay, somebody knows you. I'll let you in. <laughs> How do you not know who Joey Votto is? Yeah. Especially uh, working at a ballpark. He never gets recognized at it's all. It's just baseball, man. It sucks. Like, baseball like, players. He yeah. was He was telling me – um something like that he went to a to a wedding and he's like that's probably the most like that i've ever gotten noticed was being in that small town and you know people asking for autographs he's like outside of cincinnati he hardly gets any at all wow it's probably also kind of awesome at the same time he loves that yeah sure 
can kind of like skate under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go to a restaurant and just enjoy your meal without, you know, people recognize you and stuff. That's nice. Well, no. I only say that jokingly because for some reason or another, when you guys had Alfonso Soriano, I think every time I went to a Reds Cubs game, he did some like had oh. some bomb against us that just crushed me. You just crushed my heart. You just brought me back a flashback because I don't <laughs> think I've even showed you all that. That was the His first one I ever gave up to. So my debut was against the Cubs. Second game that I went in, I got an out. And then I think Cedeno had like an infield single, which was bull. And then I think I walked a guy and then I hung a 3-2 screwball to Soriano and he hit it to the upper deck. I mean, whoo, as soon as he like started swinging, I was like, and boom, <laughs> there it goes to the moon. That he was my like, moment on ESPN. He would look when they came to Cincinnati because you know Cubs fans always come to like and like my first couple years of season tickets were in left field, and Soriano played left field, so of course the Soriano <laughs> kept happening every game around me, and of course I'm rolling my eyes, and then it'd be like they would have like Johnny Cueto in his prime. And he would like work him to like get some crazy hit off him. So, yeah, your Joey Vada stories are very similar to my Alfonso Soriano stories. Yeah, Soriano was one of those guys like you're just like scared to throw to because you don't know what to throw because he'll swing at anything wherever it is because he's got a 39 inch bat and he'll swing it at wherever. He was like Gary Sheffield or Vlad. Like those guys will swing and hit it hard no matter where it's at. Joey, what's your thoughts on Amir Garrett? <laughs> I can't stand the guy. Sorry, I can't. A lot of Reds fans can't either. Don't worry. Yeah, I and I don't want to be that that dude who just like bashes players or whatever. I just I don't know. Maybe I, maybe the uh, the Javi Baez though was probably that that walk off like sack fly or whatever it was. I don't even know if it, it was camped under or not. But the walk off game winner against Garrett, where he was just walking down the line and just talking to him the entire way and you know whatever he was doing waving in the air uh that was probably the one of the my favorite moments of this past year that was a wild series because you that was the series that was getting traded it was like you had like that great moment for you guys on monday and then like the rest of the week was just just crazy it's okay you're supposed to not like amir garrett i would think you're a real cubs fan if you liked amir garrett so (laughs) i don't know many like other fans of other teams that really like him either though so the red fans don't really like him much either so i do yeah i'm I'm not saying we don't but there's a lot of reds fans who are very much okay if he does not pitch for them again we're all massive amir garrett fans here at late night reds talk live every single one of us (laughs) (laughs) So how did so he had kind of a down year this past year though right like yeah just, just on the field wise just pitching he wise. put a lot of pressure on himself too because like right after the Rysel Iglesias trade um he he like came out and he's like yeah I'm the closer and then they're like all right cool prove it and it was like the first like one of the first outings he had he gave a grand slam and um it was pretty rough here he pitched pretty well the last like three or four months um. Um, overall especially some of like his expected numbers he just got to just such an awful start the first two months like you just you're never going to recover as a reliever you know with like your era and things like that but i think there was definitely some signs of life at the end i I don't know what you'll get out of him next year i don't really know what you get what you get out of any any reliever year to year i mean i think it you know they're so you know hit or miss i was looking at 
you know, like last year I, I was before the season, I really liked Lucas Sims. Like I thought he had some really good stuff. I, I was looking at like his just, I know advanced analytics and stuff about the, uh, the spin rates and some people don't like that stuff, but I, I look into him and I know he was one of the top in the league, uh, I think for his breaking ball, but probably all of his pitches, honestly, were just all up there and he was insane. And then I know he didn't have as great of a year. I think he got hurt too, but uh, Antone and Antone looked great too. So not to make this a, I know you guys are a Reds podcast, so I feel like it's all relevant, but yeah, I, I really like those two guys. If they can, I don't know. You guys still have them this year, right? Yeah, Antoine's probably not pitching this year, though. Antoine had Tommy John, so he's going to be out all year. But, yeah, I'm I'm super high on Sims. He was really, really good at the end of the year. He had, like, 14 – like, 13 out of 14 uh, outings without giving up a run. He had a really, really good run at the end of the year. Like, he had, like, 20 strikeouts and two walks over that stretch or something like that. He was really dominant there at the end and seemed like he he's figured it out. But yeah, I think he's, he's, I think he's going to have a big, big year in 2022 for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of those relievers that uh, the younger relievers that excelled the last probably year to three years that were, everybody thought that were you know going to be decent relievers that became really good. Like the last two that we talked about, and then, you know, halfway through the year last year, they they made a change on what you can do to the baseball. So that took some adjustment. And, you know, Sims, you know, I, I talked about it all year, you know, with Nick even kind of like on a sidebar, like, hey, you know, these numbers are kind of alarming. And then, you know, Nick's like, he's just got to get used to it. And sure enough, you know, by the end of the year, his spin rate was coming back up and, you know, he was doing well. So I think the offseason is going to do guys like them, not just in the Reds bullpen, but everywhere else. It's going to do them a lot of justice to be able to get used to that ball and what they can and cannot do to that ball anymore because that's a very big deal. That's a great point. I do have to ask this very serious question, Joey. Um, I what <laughs> I've made my trips serious. What I've made my trips to Wrigley have frequented Wrigleyville. A uh, big fan of Wrigleyville. It's a great time for anyone who hasn't gone. Um, you can definitely drop a lot of money there very easily. Um, what would you say? is probably your favorite spot in the Wrigleyville area. Obviously not the Cubby Bear because you're not getting in there for three hours after the game. But what would you say is the best spot for if people are making their voyage this year, they should hit up in Wrigleyville? Probably Murphy's. Yep. I, I really Murphy's. I really like Murphy's a lot. I think it's just a great spot. But I, I also think, you know, it, it's tough for me to say, like, where everybody goes. I know a lot of people like to go to Murphy's, but – I don't get to make it to Wrigley as much as I'd like because I'm actually in Rockford. So it's not that far from here, but I don't make it as much as other people. So if I had to choose one though, I'd probably, I'd probably choose Murphy's for sure. I love me some Wrigleyville, man. I've had a very, a lot of fun nights there. You can though, like you said, you can spend a lot of money and it's <laughs> yes, always a great time, but it, it can get up there. My first time I went to Chicago to uh, see the Reds and the Cubs, it was like 2011, September. So both teams are like totally out of the race. Like at this point, the Red, I think the Reds finished like four games under 500. The Cubs were like, that was one of their 100, 100 lost seasons. And these Cub fans were like, they brought us like me and my buddies around. They're like, why are you guys here? These teams are terrible. And we're like, well, we got on uh, – StubHub and the tickets were three dollars to sit on the first baseline, so we're like, "Hell, we'll make the drive up." 
And they're like, all right, we're going to take you around. We're going to show you all the different places. So they took us to Murphy's. They took us to the Cubby Bear. Uh, they took us a few different places. So, we, yeah, we were definitely appreciative of that. And, like, there were some Reds fans that tried to fight those guys. And they were like, we're not with them. They're like, we were kind of hoping if they jumped us, you guys would help us out, actually. So, <laughs> I, I got to make a trip, though, now that you say that. I, I need to get out to Cincinnati and catch a Cubs-Reds game because that's something I haven't done. I have never been to Great American Ballpark. Opening day? Right, yeah. If we start the Cubs on or the Cardinals, I think it's, it's the Cardinals. One of those two terrible franchises. Either one. I think. <laughs> no, I think it's the Cubs. Oh no, it, it, it is the Cubs. We talked about Wade Miley potentially until Stroman got signed. Uh, yeah, it is the Cubs. Yeah, it is the Cubs. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You should come to, to Great American Ballpark. It'd be like a home game for you. So it uh, is like a home. Game. I mean, it's literally like eighty percent Cubs fans. It, <laughs> oh, it insane. sounds right up my alley. <laughs> You'll have a great time. All right. So before, before we did talk about the Cubs, one last thing we need to mention uh, about the Reds is a nice international signing that happened this week. Uh, the Reds signed shortstop Ricardo Cabrera. He was the number three international prospect, I think, if I have that correctly. So uh, signed out of Venezuela. It's, he has five tool potential. Um, and this guy, obviously, a lot of Reds fans are excited about. It just so happened, of course, Nick, that this happened the week we don't have RM on that they make this big signing right after. So I, I'm certainly not an expert on the international draft by any, any not stretch. one bit. I, I tried to brush up on it a little bit. It, it's just the U.S. players that were born in the U.S., uh, Canada, or Puerto Rico. So, and then everyone else is a free agent. So. Not, you know, the, when you say international, it's not like he was the number three player out of all the international players, which I think is kind of deceiving. Um, but, you know, you hope you, you've you struck gold. Uh, Wander Franco was an international, was the, the number one pick in, in that. The only other player I was looking through the last couple of years of him, the only other player that, that uh, the name uh, stuck at least uh, that has made the majors was Vladimir Gutierrez was the number two pick a couple of years ago. So, um, hey, you never know. I I think this is more of a lottery ticket, you know, Um, and, you know, you just see what happens. But I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, bank on him, you know, making the majors. But, hey, you know, nice to see the Reds, you know, at least getting up for one of the top guys, you know, that 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 was uh, available. So wild that they can get these guys so young. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's 17 years old. I mean, so I mean, it's. It's going to be a, a long, long haul. We'll forget about him probably before he. I can't wait seven years from now whenever he has to reenact this picture whenever he's an all star. Like, go get your uh, Reds jersey and <laughs> that, that bow tie, buddy. Let's do this again. Hopefully, by that point, the Reds have different jerseys. <laughs> that was the best picture I could find. And I, uh, you know, I, I search a lot and try to make it look as good as I can. That was the best I could get. Well, no, that was like the main one. I saw that one everywhere. And that's what yeah. I thought immediately. Thought, I was like, ooh, that bow tie. Yeah, not gonna get, that's gonna come back to haunt you, Ricardo. <laughs> not not a whole lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey, I did before we uh, get out of here. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed having you on, and uh, I love following the rest of the NL Central teams. Like you know, when the season gets going, like I feel like I follow you know all four teams at least until the one of out of the break. I didn't really follow the Pirates too much, you know, after like a week. Um, but you know, I, I you ever. <laughs> But you know, I I enjoy following. I mean, these are rivals, and if if you know they lose, it helps the Reds. So you know, I'm all in on that. What do you think is the the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for for the Cubs in in 2022? 
Ooh, best case scenario, they make more additions here in the offseason post-lockout and actually compete for the division because, I mean, the Cardinals, we've seen them stumble at times, and maybe the Brewers deal with some injuries to their pitching rotation. If, if their rotation gets suffers any injuries, not saying I, I hope for that at all, but because they have a dominant rotation, but He's definitely the Nick Kirby of the of the Cubs. I love it. <laughs> but if that happens, hey, like you could you could compete for the division. It's possible. It's it's always possible. And I don't think that this division is the strongest right now. And, and I, and you know, I know I'm saying that looking at all these Reds fans here. Uh, it's it's just not the strongest right, right now. now. So don't worry. But wild card, maybe that's a potential. I think honestly, this team really is probably looking at like close to a 500 finish this next year and it's more of a transition period year and we're, we're really shooting for 2023 is kind of how I'm looking at that. And, but it would be really cool to me and we have this in common too. Uh, Nicholas Castellanos. I know you guys are probably sad to see him uh, opt out. I, I loved him in a Cubs uniform. I know they probably, they might not spend that money for him, oh. But don't, uh, don't you once you speak that new existence, Ricotta, he could come back to the Cubs. There's always that possibility. We do have some spots that we could we could use him in. So uh, Nikki Two Bags would look great in the Cubs uniform. Dang it, That's all I saying. haven't even heard that all off season, and now you just put that in my head and piss me off. <laughs> You're not welcome apologize. back here ever again, Ricotta. <laughs> Damn it. I- I thought it. I was never going to speak it into existence, though. So <laughs> now it's out there, though. You guys still have Winker, though, and he's terrific. So, yeah. We actually got a question here. Do you, do you hate the Cardinals and Brewers? <laughs> yes. Way but worse than the Reds. Way worse. Not the most hated. Let's go. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. It was a good time. Hopefully, uh, maybe next year that we got a key series coming on, we can have you like the. Little preview action or That'd something like that. Yeah, definitely. I, I I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been great talking ball with you guys. I I would love to come back on again. Maybe I should have you guys on my podcast as well because you guys are, are great to talk to, and um, that'd be awesome to do like a preview series or something. Maybe if I can get my make my way down to uh, Cincinnati, we can catch a Cubs Reds game together too. Funny enough, I'm the only one who actually lives in Cincinnati. Well, hey, there you go. We're going. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Um, yeah, but before we do close out, please take a second. Uh, we love to give our guests a chance to shout themselves out where people can find their work, find them on social media. You know, the four years, man. Take a second. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at the riot 326 And, uh, you know, obviously we've been doing a ton of work at ontapsportsnet.com. We got Cubs on tap. We really all Chicago sports. I'm doing the Bears on tap stuff too, covering the Chicago Bears. But um, I, I should be writing something up here coming up on Frank Schwindel. Actually, uh, I'm looking at looking into seeing if his production is sustainable. Uh, spoiler alert: It's not, but it could be pretty <laughs> good. Um, so that's I'm looking at that. Maybe Scott Efros uh, article coming up too. Or maybe a deep dive into him. He's a bullpen piece that. We'll see if he makes the team or not this year. But um, so that, and then at stuffing a stat sheet, I've got uh, the podcast I'm going to hopefully start doing a little bit more of. And I've got articles, DFS stuff at primetime sports talk.com uh, as well. And then uh, for the ONTAP Bets show, follow at ONTAP Bets 
love love me some gambling. I, I like betting on sports a little bit. So I'm kind of the the, the Pete Rose of Cubs fans. I feel like so, uh, which he should be in the Hall. You, you don't you don't want to say that. You don't want to say they're that. Just, they're just without ratings. <laughs> I love Pete Rose, man. As far as I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But, oh God. <laughs> You well, guys don't like them. We'll, no. we'll we'll talk after the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, with that being said, thank you all so much for tuning in. Hopefully, you enjoy the first part of this series as we try to get us closer and closer to the regular season. Um, also, you know, super awesome to have Joey on. Uh, please, 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 please. I made this mention last week. Um, the usual five star reviews. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Now you can do reviews on Spotify. So Spotify is your podcast provider of choice. Please take a second to give us a nice review there. And yes, if you want to sign up for Bet Online, believe 50 for 50% off on your first deposit. So thank you all for tuning in. Have a great night. We'll be back next week. Go Reds. Since Joey's here and we share an affiliation for the same NBA team, go Bulls. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.